You're listening to the Magnum version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, Savage Love Cast. Hey, sucker. Oh, we started? Yeah. Oh, God. Hi, Nance. Hi, you so fool. We're not doing a regular intro this week. No. It's just you and me. It's just you and me. And listeners, we uh, implore you to listen to this show on this coming Friday. Why? Because it's the April Fool Show. Okay. Word got to me that <laughs> you were up to something. Uh, I have to... Uh, confess to something. I, I don't listen to my own podcast for many years while I was doing the podcast. I didn't listen to any podcasts. You had to really, because you are the original tech savvy at risk youth. <laughs> you had to force me to start listening to podcasts, and, but I never listened to my own. And you weaponized that against me. You think this is the first time that I've talked to the listeners about you on the show? Oh my God, I might have to go back and listen to all 800 <laughs> shows to find out what you've been saying to people. Okay, so Dan, do you remember uh, the call Barb? Remember uh-huh. that one? Oh, yeah. Riding the hall, that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was fake. That became abundantly clear. Um, some people called in and let us know about that. And we also, we knew that was probably fake. And it was wonderful. Thank you, caller, for doing that because it was fucking hilarious. That happened. I've gotten that question for 30 years. Like, what do you do about fake questions? And my attitude has always been, of you know every single question in the column back in the day in the column around the podcast now is just a good juicy hypothetical for every listener or reader but one so i don't want to have like crazy wild implausible questions making it into the column just to like be sensationalistic around to the podcast but if the occasional good plausible fake gets in the column around the podcast it's not something i'm going to lose sleep over it's been my attitude yeah yeah totally and so so after the the barb call, uh, it was it was actually my daughter's idea. Uh, happy birthday, by the way. Happy birthday. It's creepy. Happy <laughs> birthday. Um, she There's said, "Nothing you our kids like more than us talking about them on our dirty sex podcast." <laughs> happy birthday, honey. She said, "You should just tell the, the the listeners to send in fake calls." So that's what I did. You don't realize it, but I asked the listeners to send me fake calls, and they really surely did. We've got a lot of them. Okay, so just to be clear. You, because you knew I wouldn't hear it, broke into the middle of my podcast, violated the integrity of my podcast, unconsensually inserted your own voice into the middle of my podcast to ask readers to send, or listeners, to send fake questions. That's right. And so what, we're doing a, a whole show that's all fake questions it's, There's going to be some real ones sprinkled in, and your task, Dan Savage, is to figure out which ones are fake and which ones are real. It's the April Fool's Day Challenge. <laughs> okay, I think I'm up to this challenge. I think hopefully after 30 years of reading Savage Love Letters and 15 years of listening to Savage Love Cast Calls, I can spot a fake. So yeah, so we've got a lot of fake calls and we've got some real calls coming up and a very special guest on the Magnum, Barack Obama. <laughs> I'm sure it's the actual Barack Obama with an ad. That, I think I might just like put my chips in the middle of the table and say maybe that one's a fake. Uh, but You'll the see. Magnum Savage Lovecast that you can subscribe to at savage.love. More questions, more answers, more guests, and no ads, plus a Zoom monthly hangout and other extras for Magnum subscribers. 
go to savage.love and subscribe now. And yeah, Nancy, thank you for uh, setting this up. Let's get to it. I'm curious to see how I do. Hey, Dan. I am a heterosexual cis woman in my early 30s with a healthy sexual appetite and particular interest and aptitude for sucking cock. And um, it's something I've always really loved that apparently I've been told I'm really good at and something that is a big part of my sexual repertoire. I don't currently have a boyfriend or a partner, but I do have friends I see from time to time that all have cocks, so I saw them. And um, recently I have just had this image in my head that I can't get out and it's disturbing me and freaking me out and I just need help coming to terms with it or something so I can just get back to sucking the cock I love um, without being afraid of it anymore because what's been happening is that I've just been like fixated on the pee hole and how it could start talking to me. I know that sounds really weird, but I had a dream that the character from the Schoolhouse Rock show, um, you know that song, I'm Just a Bill on Capitol Hill, and there's like a rolled up piece of paper, and that's the cartoon character. I had a nightmare that I was giving a blowjob, and all of a sudden it turned into that character, and I got paper cuts. And ever since then, I've just been like freaked out. Like what if the pee hole just starts talking to me and it's not even like a funny thing. It just like totally freaks me out and I can't stop thinking about it to the point where I don't even want to have a cock in my mouth anymore. Please help me. I miss sucking penises. I'm just a bill. Fake. I'm going to just call this one now it's a fake you think i'm thinking it might even be lifted from an episode of big mouth that i didn't see where the penile urethral meatus or meatus that's what that little opening at the end of the dick is called starts talking if that's not already a character or a plot point or an episode in big mouth or a scene in big mouth it's probably gonna be because i suspect some of the writers for big mouth will listen to my show (laughs) uh but yeah fake unwelcome thoughts though like We're going to take it seriously for a second. Unwelcome, intrusive thoughts. Sometimes people have a problem during sex because something comes into their mind and then they remember remembering it last time and then it comes back into their mind. Like they think of their parents or their dead grandma when they're trying to have sex and it becomes an intrusive thought. CBT, not cock and ball torture, cognitive behavioral therapy. Work with a cognitive behavioral therapist for half a dozen sessions and learn how to control those unwelcome thoughts. So this would be my advice to the caller if this was a real question, which it is not, which is to get some CBT therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy therapy, from a cognitive behavioral therapy therapist. But uh, I want to give a shout out to all those people out there. Like the, I, I assume some of this may be drawn from her real life and may be true. Like she really likes to suck cock. She sounds like somebody who likes to suck cock. And I just want to give a shout out to everybody else out there like me who likes to suck cock, but also realized early on that you were really good at it. Sometimes, you know, you get better at some things with practice and sometimes you arrive at an activity just just with this preternatural ability or talent or gift for. Sounds like the caller had that gift for sucking dick. I had that gift for sucking dick. Maybe it's genetic. Maybe there needs to be a study to isolate the skilled cocksucker gene. 
Yeah, we hope that part was true. But it's not a real question. We'll listen to you spinning gold out of straw. <laughs> so did I get it right? Yeah, you got it right. Okay, okay. That, right. All right, that, that one was pretty low, slow, and over the plate. <laughs> well, let's see how you do with this next one. Hi, Dan. I have a friend who has struggled his whole life with finding a partner. A few years ago, he invested in a very high-quality, lifelike sex doll. He confided in me recently that he doesn't want the doll anymore and actually feels really ashamed of it, and he wants to get it out of his house because he's afraid his family will discover it and they won't react well. It's not going to be possible for him to put a whole doll in the curbside trash, and he can't drive, so he can't take it to the city dump. I remember a few years ago you gave some advice on responsible ways to dispose of sex toys. We live in Arizona and would absolutely mail-used dildos to Kirsten Cinema. But this is a different scenario with lots of DNA evidence that could be collected. Is there possibly a service out there that could come pick up his sex doll and ethically dispose of it? We're kind of at a loss for what to do. You know why I think this one is fake? Lives in Arizona, doesn't drive. <laughs> I have been to Arizona. A whole bunch of my family has Damn. moved to Arizona. You can't function in Arizona without an air-conditioned box to take you from the air-conditioned box that is your home to the air-conditioned box that is a restaurant or an office or a movie theater or a gym. People don't walk anywhere in Arizona. Okay, Angela Lansbury. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, I'd say this is like a 60% chance of being fake, 65% chance of being fake. It's not easy to, to throw away sex toys. And, and people do struggle with this. They don't want to put this stuff in landfills, but who really wants somebody else's used sex toy except for the kind of pervert that you might not want to give your used sex toy to because you don't want them grooving on your used sex toy because you used it. Or maybe you do and you should find one of those perverts. Maybe there should be perverts out there who offer to take our used sex toys off our hands so they can fill like one of those ball pits at <laughs> McDonald's with sex toys and just like dive into them. Uh, but yeah, what do you do with this? I think you delight the local populace by in the middle of the night taking the sex toy after cleaning it to some spot and leaving it there with a sign on it that says free, like people do with furniture in New York and uh, boxes of kitchen goods here in Seattle. They'll set it on the curb with free and just leave it somewhere. And it'll be, you know, people take pictures of it. It'll get on Instagram. It'll go viral. No one's going to do a DNA swab on a used sex toy or used sex doll. It's not a crime scene. And yeah, you should just come up with your car, toss it in the trunk, drive someplace and leave it there for the shocked citizenry to be scandalized by, but also enjoy. Or like the museum of abandoned sex dolls. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would go to the museum of abandoned <laughs> sex dolls. I'm a little, but you know, whenever it comes to museums that don't exist or have closed, I get angry about the Liberace Museum closing in Las Vegas. Speaking about another inhospitable wasteland where you have to have a car and you live in air-conditioned yeah, boxes. Really. So maybe the empty storefront where the Liberace Museum used to be can become the, well, is it a museum of used or discarded sex dolls? Or is it like one of those parks for elephants that have been retired from zoos? <laughs> and uh, It's an interactive display. Yeah. Yeah. So fake, right? Fake. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> and two, it was the car that gave two. it away. If, they, if they'd said, I live in New York and he doesn't know how to get it out of his apartment and we can't take it on the subway... I would have put that at like an 
80% chance of being real, but the detail that yeah. we live in Arizona, my friend doesn't drive, nobody lives in Arizona who can't drive and doesn't have at least one car. All right, listeners, this guy's sharp. All right, let's see what happens next. Hi, Dan. I feel like this is a silly question, but I am a cis, mostly straight woman considering getting a mullet haircut and I'm very worried that I'll be appropriating from the queer community or falsely signaling to the queer community that I am part of that community. If it matters, what I mean by mostly straight is I'm attracted to penises. I'm attracted to people who give off, you know, male pheromones. I'm very open to experiences. I'm very open to people's all gender presentations. Um, but when it comes to like what I really want, it's a dick in my vagina. I just want an outsider's perspective, someone who's not one of my friends. I don't associate mullets necessarily with lesbians. I associate it with all of my aunts and female relatives in the 80s in Chicago. <laughs> like every straight lady I knew growing up when I was a little kid had a fucking Midwestern mullet. But is this a lesbian thing now? I think it's a queer thing. I think it's not purely lesbian. I think it's like a... Or? So... Not all lesbians have mullets, but most mullets have lesbians or queer women underneath them. Yeah, I think it's more like an envy thing, maybe. I don't know. I'll probably get in trouble. <laughs> we got to leave the house and check out what the kids are doing with their hair right now. <laughs> but that said, like, if the caller is worried that this is associated with lesbians and wants dick in her, the numbers of straight guys out there who are constantly hitting on lesbians and approaching lesbians, it might be a good strategy to get some more dick in you to have what is a lesbian presenting hairstyle if you want dick, considering the amount of dick that lesbians have to avoid. You would be soaking up some of that dick uh, for the dykes who don't want it. I see. So you think that she's like helping the lesbians by... Getting by being a decoy for other straight men. So therefore, whatever like appropriation crime she's committing is she, forgiven. Yeah, it's forgiven because she's taking dick out of circulation that would otherwise be pestering lesbians. <laughs> and sequestering that dick in a secret, safe, undisclosed location, also known as her pussy. <laughs> um, nice. That said, you know... I got in a little trouble early in the pandemic. I don't know, not a little trouble. It's just like somebody pointed this out to me and I thought better of it, which is what call out or call in culture is supposed to be about. I started getting my hair cut at home and Terry just started like giving me a mohawk and it kind of grew in as a mohawk and I put up a picture. As it turns out, people of people who are mohawks from the Indian tribe feel that this is appropriative ah. and that old gay white men in Seattle shouldn't be getting mohawks or growing out mohawks. So I got rid of my mohawk and I took down the pictures. I don't want to piss anybody off. That said, I really feel like this policing of people's hair is obnoxious and a waste of time and effort, energy that could be better spent elsewhere, that maybe the collapse of the environment, the <laughs> nuclear war we might be having in 10 minutes in Central Europe could put like the hair people want to have into some sort of fucking perspective. Perspective, 
recognizing that, you know, a lot of people of color lost jobs for having natural hair, for having dreads, and then white people swan into those same places of employment and don't get fired for having those hairstyles. I get it. And uh, so I'm for Ilhan Omar's The Crown Act, which recently passed through the House, which makes discriminating against people based on their hairstyles illegal. All for that. I am not for, you know, yelling at people on the subway because they have a haircut that you don't approve of. People should be able to do with their bodies what they want to do with their bodies. So, lady, if you want to have a mullet, have a mullet. And if you want to have all the dick, have all the dick. And you're going to get a special kind of dick if you move through the world looking like a dyke. Now, you're going to get dick that's attached to people who have no sense you know, guys who approach lesbians because they think those lesbians will make an exception just for them. They tend to be entitled assholes. So having a lesbian haircut, yeah, you'll get some more dick. You'll get some dick you didn't get in the past, but it's not going to be dick attached to non-dicks. It's going to be dick attached to dicks. And if that's what you want, great, go for it. Uh, but this isn't what today's show is about. I have to make a judgment. I'm two for two, guessed correctly on the first two calls. I'm going to say there's like a 60-40 chance that this is true. It it does seem like the kind of hand-wringing anxiety that a lot of straight, cis, white people feel these days, conscientious ones, the good ones before they leave the house, before they make a choice about their hairstyle or dress or anything else. So I'm going to say this one's real. God damn, Dan Savage. Really? Yep. Three, ah! three for three. three <laughs> I told you three. I'd be good at this. Yeah, you're good at this. All right, we'll get you eventually. Are we doing the sports numbering thing correctly? Is it three and zero, oh, or is it oh, three and three? Is it like three wins? You're asking zero the wrong losses? gal. I don't know. I hope we're getting that. You right. You got it right three times. Okay, yeah, I'm right three times. I think that's three for three, but I don't fucking know. Hi, Dan. I am a longtime listener from East Africa, and I have a question about nudism, consent, some power imbalances, and private spaces. So I live in a really hot town. And I have nudist tendencies. So when I'm not working, like over the weekend, in the evening, in the mornings, I like to walk around naked. Now, I live on the top floor of a building and there's one other tenant on my floor. He's never around. So And when he comes, it's usually during work hours. So it's not really an issue for him. But the thing that I'm concerned about is... I think I frequently flash the gardeners and the ground staff when I'm opening my windows in the morning or closing them in the evening and I'm naked. And I feel bad about it because power imbalance, their ground staff, I'm a tenant, there is an implied power imbalance. But also I'm just like, this is a private space. I'm in my house. I didn't mean to flash you. I'm sorry. And like I try to be kind about it like usually I like peek out and see if there's anyone before I open my windows or close them but sometimes someone just pops up and I'm just like crap I didn't mean to flash you I'm sorry but on the other hand I'm just like I'm not going to change this I'm in my house so I was wondering if it's an issue or if I'm overthinking it um and specifically because I'm pretty sure they're very conservative because I live in a conservative country and I don't want to traumatize them but on the other hand, I'm just like, dude, I'm at home. I'm sorry, but I'm at home. What do you think? I think you're allowed to be naked in your own house. And nudity, you know, someone seeing you through the window as you're opening a curtain or closing a curtain or moving through a room, incidental nudity, they shouldn't be peering through your window then if they're that easily shocked about the kind of naked people are allowed to be in their own private spaces. 
it's like that, you know, that famous definition of pornography, you know, it when you see it, somebody who is, you know, posing in front of a window naked or while they're having sex because they want other people to see it. You kind of know that when you see that, you know, it when you encounter someone who is throwing curtains open or stomping around naked in their well-lit private space at night when it's dark outside and you can see and clearly you kind of know when someone's doing it on purpose because they want people who may or may not want to see them naked to see them naked. I don't think if the caller is being truthful, this qualifies as that kind of violation. It's your own home. You like to be naked in your own home when you're not working. Sometimes you got to walk by a window or open a window or close a window or a blind. If somebody who lives in this world or lives in your town is so conservative that they're shocked by the sight of other people's naked bodies, they should keep their eyes off your windows, whether they're staff or other tenants. That would be my POV. And it's more hand-wringing. It's sort of like a, it, it bodes well for humanity that we're all just trying so hard to not offend each other. Yeah, it kind of does bode well for humanity unless we're all eventually cowering in the corner of our apartments afraid to walk by a window with haircuts we hate <laughs> because we're afraid to offend everybody, uh, potentially. Real or fake? Okay, so this is the hardest one for me to make a call on because, and I really do hope it's not someone, you know, from Peoria, Illinois or Chicago faking this accent and claiming to live in a, a country in East Africa. I feel like asking you to look at the download stats for the podcast and tell me if we have any listeners in East Africa, uh, in countries in East Africa. Because that like that works against it. You know, I have listeners all over the world. I get questions from people all over the world. Maybe I have some listeners in conservative East African countries. Maybe. I Seems have listeners from all over the world. It's true. That's not fake. That's true. Um, but yeah, I don't think I have many. And that I would have one in an East African country who has this particular problem and is this kind of considerate of the staff, well, that kind of works against it, but that works against it in such a clear and obvious way that it actually kind of bank shot tips the scales into, I think this one is real. God damn it. So I am 4-0 or 4-4, depending on how that works in sports counting. Yeah, boy, amazing. You know, like after when I first put this out, and I started to listen to the fake calls. There were somewhere I was like, oh, my God, are we getting fake calls all the time and we just don't realize it? That's possible. Like some people may call in with fake calls or sometimes I think people call in with, you know, a scenario that turns them on to think about it and they frame it as a question so yeah. that it's out there in the world and that like contributes to their ability to fantasize about it or they want to hear me talk about it or hear other people talk about it in response calls. So, yeah, that, I mean, but that's that goes back to what I said at the beginning, like if you run an advice column or an advice podcast, every question's a hypothetical for every listener or reader but one. And you can't worry about it too much. You don't want to have obvious fakes that are just sensationalistic in every column or every show, but you can't let yourself lose sleep over it. Hi, Dan. So here's the thing. My, my wife and I got fitness trackers a while ago, and they've been great. We're healthier, we're fitter. I've lost chunk of weight, it's materially made our lives better. Except maybe our sex life, because we've both started tracking like calories and 
zone minutes and all these things. And now whenever we finish fucking, we immediately, both of us, start looking at the fitness tracker and how many active minutes did we get and how high did our heart rate get. And, you know, we've, we've never actually got into peak zone, which makes me feel a little inadequate. And it's become a fitness exercise, not really competitive, but a marker instead of, you know, sex. I know how to fix this if it's true. Take the fucking things off when you fuck. <laughs> what, what, what are these are like? They're like watches or something, right? Yeah. They go around your wrist, they measure your heart rate and... It's just another way to be obsessed with like statistics and yeah. Another piece of useless technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, take them off. I, I, I'm going to just cut to the chase. I think this one is fake. Correct. Ah! <laughs> so I'm five and five. Yeah. Oh, actually, I texted my brother, Billy, who's a sports guy. If you played four and won all four, you're four and oh. Oh. So I'm five and oh. Oh, yeah. You're five and oh. Okay. Really? So that's my uh, brother, Bill. He's a Rogers Park man on Twitter. You should follow him. He is a sports nut. And uh, so I'm now five and oh, five wins, zero losses. I think that's what that means. All right. Good job. And while the call I correctly guessed was fake, um, it does sort of point to a, a real issue or problem in some people's sex lives which is sex as a competition, sport fucking, racking up numbers, people who brag about their body count or want to increase their body count. And that can, you know, if you're just like bullshitting with friends at brunch about your numbers or what you got up to or all the things you've done and things you've scratched off your fuck it list, that's fine. I could see in a relationship where there were two people who were kind of that way, competitive around you know, scratching things off the bucket list around their numbers, around their body count, around everything. I could see that generating some conflict in a relationship. If you brought that, if those two competitive spirit fuck types were in a relationship, closed monogamous relationship with each other, I could see that playing out in some interesting, weird, fucked up way. Just not this non-interesting, non-fucked up way. It also, though, might inspire them to have more rigorous sex just for the numbers. Get your steps in. Like my friends who have Fitbits talk about getting their steps in. My friends, my my husband uh, and his boyfriend who are doing Pokemon all the time talk about getting their steps in and walking places. So I'm all for that if it gets people out of the house Um, or it gets people who should be fucking back in bed to get your heart rate up and get your steps in you'd have to be into trampling i guess to get your steps in then but sure so you you approve you approve the fitbit fucking i approve the fitbit fucking if it's interesting if it's not like contributing to a toxic competitive dynamic in the relationship well then it's obviously not going to be good but if you want to measure these things uh it gets you off and some people do like to measure and track and count i have one friend who keeps a spreadsheet of the people, <laughs> the people that they've slept with, what they did, the rankings, a little bit of a sports nut. And uh, not my brother. I just mentioned my brother's a sports <laughs> nut. This is a different sports nut, a sports fucking nut. And yeah, if you were that kind of person, I could see incorporating a Fitbit or whatever into your sex life. But uh, this was obviously fake because the solution is take them off if they're all you're concerned about or all you're looking at afterwards. Hi, Dan, Tech Savvy at Risk Youth, Nancy. I'm hoping you can help me about um, with a question I have about compatibility. I've been with my boyfriend for over five years now. It's very serious and 
a lot of ways. I mean, we don't live together, but we can afford not to. We're not married. We don't have kids, but I wouldn't rule it out. And the relationship is great. We love being together. We spend a ridiculous amount of time together and we're not sick of each other. We are incredibly loving and touching and the sex is great and makes me laugh and all that good stuff. The problem is I'm a Pisces and he's an Aquarius. Uh, My Venus is in Aries and his Venus is in Pisces. You know, my moon is in Aries and his moon is in Taurus. Basically, we're completely incompatible when it comes to our charts. And it's weird because in real life, you know, in in the day-to-day, we get along and make it work. And yet it feels like, wow, we're so not meant to be together because I don't know if you're on CoStar, but like this app, you know, you can put in your birth time and stuff and it gives you your chart and you can match with your friends and everybody's on it. And like, I'm so much more compatible with my exes and other people that like, you know, the relationship blew up, but, you know, our charts were much more compatible. Our signs were much more compatible. And here I am in this relationship that I love being in, but I mean, my Venus, Venus is like your love and emotions and relationship planet. Mine is in Aries and his is in Pisces. So I guess the question is like, I'm not getting any younger. Should I continue to invest in this relationship even though I know our stars don't necessarily align or should I dump the motherfucker already? Dan, you know why you and I get along so well? Uh, Because we could hear our eyes scraping the tops of our skulls because they were rolling so fast and so hard throughout that call. No, it's because we're both Libras, man. Oh my God. (laughs) Are you a Libra? Yeah. You know, my favorite thing to do is when somebody asks me what my sign is, it's to tell them I'm a Leo. And then they're like, oh yeah. And then they list all the traits I have that are like typical Leo. And then I lie. Then I say, yeah, no, I lied. I'm a Sagittarius. And then like, oh, a Sagittarius would totally fucking do something like that. And it's all the traits I have. Say. And then I'm like, no, 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 I'm a Pisces. And yeah, I hate astrology. Yeah. I, I hate it. I hate it if people actually believe in it. There's like a kind of person who's into astrology for whom it's like just like a creative way of playing with the idea of personality types. Okay. But if you really are like making decisions based on astrology, then I think that you're the fool. <laughs> okay. I, I want to back up then. I, I will take it back. I don't hate astrology or people into astrology if they're doing what you describe, which is just like a different way to look at yourself or the world and not giving it too much weight, not giving it the same weight that medieval Christians gave Catholicism. You know, it's a belief system, uh, maybe a framework or a structure, but it should be, or a garment that you wear lightly and with a sense of humor and a sense of humility about the fact that it's probably all fucking bullshit. Well, yeah. So speaking of bullshit, is this a real collar or is it a fake? I desperately want it to be a fake. I worry it's real because I've heard there are people like this in the world. I don't think many people like this in the world listen to my show because every once in a while I say something very disparaging about (laughs) astrology or people who believe in this bullshit. If there was anybody listening who is a relatively new listener who is into astrology, we just lost that person as a listener, (laughs) the both of you, with everything we just said. Both probably Virgos, I would guess. (sighs) Honestly. I think, I 
thought it was real until about three quarters of the way through when it became like comically exaggerated and that the person didn't have the self-awareness to realize that maybe astrology is bullshit if she's more compatible astrologically, if that's a word, with her exes that she broke up with for presumably good reasons than she is with her current partner who she loves and has great sex with. Like that's the sort of thing where you you might begin to doubt or reconsider your belief in this bullshit, this kind of conflict, this kind of cognitive dissonance. So if she had just said, I'm going to say fake, if she had just said, you know, he's a whatever and I'm a whatever and they're incompatible and I worry about that. And I mean, I know that's kind of irrational to worry about that, but still I worry about it. What do I do? I would have recommended cognitive behavioral therapy again, but that would have seemed plausible, but like moons and X's, like it went on too long. And so I'm going to call it a fake. And the Academy Award goes to this caller. Why? Because I thought she did a great job. I mean, yes, it was fake. Oh, okay. So, so I'm five for five. Six now, I think. Oh my God, six. Yeah. Uh, I just got a text update from my brother, Billy. However, if you're playing baseball and you're talking about <laughs> at-bats and you're up to bat four times and get four hits, then you are four for four at-bats. Oh, okay. So that's, it works both ways. Yeah. Depending on what sport you're Which is why sports referencing. is so confusing and everybody should have a straight brother that you can text with your sports <laughs> questions. So that was six. Six. So I am six for six at bats. Fantastic. Let's keep going. Hi, Dan. I'm a 34-year-old kinkster living in the Midwest. I recently had to change my living situation due to the pandemic, and my new apartment has much less storage space than my old one did. My parents, who I love and get along with pretty well, offered to let me use a spare room in their house to store some of my stuff. I loaded up my car with several bags of clothes and uh, a couple of boxes of textbooks, but most relevant for this call, uh, a duffel bag that contained any number of uh, sexual toys uh, and sort of kink implements that I've used both with other partners and in some public play settings. You know, I didn't think anything of it at the time. My parents and I usually get along pretty well and trust has never been a big issue for us. I kind of put it at the bottom of the pile and I hadn't even been back in the room until a couple of weeks ago where I went to retrieve the bag, planning to use it for an upcoming party now that things are opening up again. And uh, I found to my dismay that several items of the bag have gone missing. Uh, there were a, a pair of, of cuffs and a leather crop and maybe most upsetting, uh, a full harness and strap-on set with a nine-inch bad dragon dildo. Uh, they're all gone. And Dan, no one else lives with my parents. Uh, like, no one else has access to that room. It had to be them. Uh, they haven't said anything. I haven't said anything. I, I, I've been working my mind like how to bring it up. I mean, this is clearly a violation of my trust. Uh, and some of those items weren't cheap. But, you know, at the same time, I, I've been over there a few times. And I got to say, their relationship seems stronger than ever. Uh, they've been really happy every time I've gone over for a Sunday dinner. They're very affectionate. They were even kind of flirty last time, which I, I've never seen before. I can only presume that these items that they have borrowed or stolen or taken as tribute have significantly, you know, uh, improved something going on between them. I, 
I, I don't know, Dan. I don't want to know. Uh, I, I, I'm just trying to decide if I should confront them, if I should ask for, you know, maybe some kind of monetary compensation, or if I should just chalk this up as an investment in their relationship and try to get back to enjoying Sunday dinner and staring at my dad across the table without wondering if he's been on the receiving end of my bad dragon. Here's how you get your bad dragon dildo back. Uh, I assume the duffel bag is still at your parents' place, that you checked for this gear and found that these things, which you are absolutely 100% positive were in that bag and aren't in some other bag in the apartment that you're in now, were missing. But the bag is still there. So what you do the next time you have dinner with your dad, who presumably has been getting impaled on your bad dragon dildo on the regular, Next time you have dinner, you announce that you're going to come and take some of the stuff out of the room and take it back to your apartment or to your storage unit. Do you got any space? Uh, particularly, you're going to pick up that duffel bag and a couple of other boxes. They will know that what's in the duffel bag. They will know that you're coming for the duffel bag. They won't know that you looked in the duffel bag and that you have a running list of the missing items. They will return them to your duffel bag before you pick it up next week and hopefully your parents know to run that silicone bad dragon dildo through the dishwasher before stuffing it back before your mom stuffs it into your dad one last time and then they stuff it back into your duffel bag ever the pragmatist but it's a fake call yes it is <laughs> i knew it it's, it's almost like the astrology one so if, if he'd stopped if he just didn't like go into the thing about how he perceives his parents' relationship having been improved with handcuffs, a riding crop, and a harness and dildo set, I would have thought it was real. That took it into sort of like comic, rom-com, sitcom-y territory. Like mom and dad, don't not very loving, not very affectionate, maybe a moderate to medium conflict relationship, throw in a strap-on dildo, mom and dad are really getting along. <laughs> like that's just too farcical. Yeah. And so I thought fake but if he'd left that out or you had edited that out oh but it made it so delightful i would have said real if it not for that part i would have said real but because that was in there i am seven for seven at bats because i'm amazing at this you have to concede you thought you're gonna trip me up but. oh it's true it's true but what are we doing here we're teaching them how to how to become better liars <laughs> Hey, like I keep saying, every question's a hypothetical for every listener but one. If you've got a good hypothetical for us and you don't shit the bed by including unnecessary details or implausible ones or obviously comedically farcical ones, and your call gets on the show, I'm fine with All that. Good. Hi, Dan. I spent the night last night with a man whose kink is bones. He had no interest in any other body part. He liked my kneecaps my hips, my ribs, my scapula, my jawbone, my elbows. He poked and prodded at them for about 20 minutes. He was a good kisser, but when I asked if he wanted to touch any other part of me, he said that they weren't very sexual to him. He also said that he doesn't like giving or receiving head, and he likes having his butt grabbed. And when he asked to touch me, all he did was poke and prod and grab at my bone. And I'm kind of sore today. And I want to know, is this normal? Should I feel weird? And should I see him again? 
Bones. <laughs> bones. It's plausible. All I could think of listening to this call was uh, John's Bones on Instagram. If you're not already following John's Bones on Instagram, uh, you should. It's very interesting. It's very educational. What you'll learn about is me. You'll learn that I will follow someone on Instagram whose posts are 99% disturbing so long as they're insanely pretty and have long hair. (laughs) (laughs) That's the bar I set. Um, This call. So she's with this guy. He seems only interested in her bones and like groping her bones, feeling her bones, not interested in his bone getting any attention. She calls back later to say that he was also biting her bones. Like they're little bite marks, but just on the bony bits. Oh, yeah. This is a hard one. This is the first 50-50 where I'm going to have to flip a coin and guess because I'm sure there are people out there who are into bones. God bless the guys, men mostly, I'm assuming, out there who are into bones, who are not flaying people alive to get at them, (laughs) not digging bodies (laughs) up in cemeteries to get at them. God bless them. Yeah, God bless them uh, for restraining themselves. That said... It's like biting someone or pinching someone or tickling someone. That's a kind of play or physical contact that most people are going to find deeply unpleasant. And biters, there are people out there who really like to bite during sex, biters or scratch. Biters need to find biters. And thank God for the internet. The internet is the giant searching tool that can allow you to sift the whole world to find the people who share your very particular kinks. Now, sometimes you can roll out a little biting or a little scratching and someone will react positively to it because they didn't know they liked that sensation and they discover it with you, the biter or scratcher. But you have to go very slowly in baby steps and you have to listen when the person says, fucking stop that, which most people are going to say about biting skin hard enough to chew a collarbone or tickling or scratching. So this call, I feel like it There's a good chance it's fake, but I'm going to call it real because I think it's totally plausible and there's probably somebody out there who likes to grope the bones under the skin and doesn't have the sense to find someone who enjoys that sensation to or to roll that out very slowly or to come out about that to somebody and do it in such a way that doesn't leave that person covered in bite marks or bruises later. Oh, Dan, <gasps> you're correct. Oh, my God. It's real? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I, you know what yeah. I was doing? I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw one away. <laughs> I'm going to like call this one real. No feeling like in my gut, maybe it's going to be fake. But it's real. It's real. Yeah. Yep. Or we're going to get a call from this person saying that it's fake and they fooled both of us. Uh, yeah, I do. I do. I have a little concerned about that. <laughs> okay. So if this guy is out there listening... You know, obviously you're into bones, but there's not a sensible bone in your body. And if you want to put your sensate bone in somebody else's body, you have to approach this differently. I always project myself into these experiences and I am a big, strong man and it would be a different sort of moment for me. And I'm not socialized to defer to men. Uh, and I'm not terrified uh, because of millennia, centuries, <laughs> tens of thousands of years of sexualized violence of the reaction of a male partner in a moment to me saying, knock it off. But this is the sort of thing where I would say, what are you doing? And knock it off or slow your roll. And I would, you know, me being me, I'm very like, blah, 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 blah. Let's talk about it. And if somebody were doing this, be like, are you into bones? Are you like trying to feel my skeleton? Okay. I wouldn't say like, no, yuck. I would be like, that's 
interesting. I might be able to roll with that, but I'm not going to be able to roll with that if you're thinking you're putting that over on me or doing it on the sly or I don't realize what's going on or you're creating physical discomfort in me to get your jollies off in this specific way that maybe if we talked about it, there would be a way to like feel some of my bones without hurting me so you could get your rocks off and I could enjoy being with you and not regret getting undressed in your presence. And please don't skin me alive to get at my bones. I could see her, it, it would take maybe a while for her to realize that that's what he was doing. Like she realized it the next day, I think. Yeah. Like he was only paying attention to my bony parts no. and that's weird. My fleshy bits. Yeah. And it, yeah, he he should learn how to, to say, hey, listen, this is what I'm into. I really like to feel that exoskeleton, that steel frame <laughs> underneath. I'm into the bones. That's weird. Hey, Dan. So I'm a cisgendered gay man in my late 30s, and I have a question about whether or not I should break up with this new guy I've been seeing. Uh, We've been together for we've just been seeing each other for like two months and it's going well, I think. Uh, He's really sweet, really smart, and he's really hot. Uh, So it's kind of the trifecta. But um, the other night we were talking about our kinks and he was a little reluctant to tell me about his and I was a little reluctant to tell him about mine. But we both listened to your show So I felt like, okay, cool. This is going to be like a safe space to talk about it. So we had a couple of uh, glasses of wine the other night. And the idea was like, okay, we're going to lay our cards on the table. We're going to be, we're going to do this thoughtfully. Uh, And Dan, he told me about his, which are, you know, a little wilder than I'm used to, but I'm, I'm listening. I'm not totally closed off to the idea. And I told him about my kink and he started laughing at me. He said it was the dumbest thing he ever heard. So I need to know, like, should I break up with this guy? Uh, You probably want to know what the kinks are. Um, Apparently, he's very into leather. Like, he really wants to buy a leather hood and, like, get decked out completely in leather and then have sex that way. Which, you know, that's cool. Like, I I have no problem with that at all. Um, It's not my thing, but, like you know, within reason of expense, I guess these things are expensive, I would be willing to give it a try. Uh, But then I told him my kink, which, okay, my kink is globes. That's right, Dan. Uh, I'm just really into globes, like the blue things that spin. They have maps all over them. I just really find it hot when somebody spins a globe or when somebody puts their finger on a globe and they say, have you ever been here? Um, I find the more antique, the better. Like, the more inaccurate the maps are, that just I, it really makes me hot. And like the hottest thing to me is just like being naked next to a globe, spinning it and saying, someday I will have sex in blank. Like spin it, put my finger on the globe. Someday I will have sex in Buenos Aires. Someday I will have sex in Lisbon. I don't know why. I'm not going to analyze it. Maybe I just, you know, saw like the opening credits to Indiana Jones as a kid. And because that's such a good movie, I'm like, oh, that's my thing now as a kid, but it stuck with me and I don't care. I love it. Uh, but the fact that he just laughed and laughed at me for this really kind of sucks. And I would love your advice on, is this, should I get rid of him? I mean, he's great otherwise, but it's only been like two months. This fake caller with this fake question should get rid of his fake boyfriend <laughs> of two months of two fake months. <laughs> That's my final answer. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, people have a lot of kinks and fetishes for a lot of weird and random stuff. And there are people out there whose fetishes involve inanimate objects, odd scenarios, being the presence of a thing. 
most of those things are things people wear or they can inhabit. You know, there's some people who are turned on by cars. Um, but most of those things are something that a person puts on their body or can contain that person's body or contain a body. A globe sitting on the other side of the room, if indeed this person had that fetish, that would be so interesting and rare. Still plausible that somebody could have the kink as described. But yeah, my money was on fake and I was right. Now I'm like eight for eight, yeah, eight at bats, yeah. eight times on base, three yep. home runs. Yep. Woohoo. So callers, you can call in with your weird fetishes that don't fit Dan's typical fetish style, but they have to be real. The fake boyfriends of, of two fake months, his kink is entirely plausible. Like you see people out in the world doing that, being, you know, hooded in leather at Folsom or Dory Alley or IML that 30 years into this, I've never heard of anybody with like a globe kink. Although there are people who have kinks around like medical fetish play and want to be in like a doctor's examination room. There are people with school kinks who want to be like in a classroom. I could imagine that somebody might have, you know, a fetish for that kind of classroom setting that included a globe and a globe was important to be there for some reason. Usually it would be a punitive reason, like a teacher punished them for not being able to find Holland on a globe and they were humiliated in front of the class and they want to reenact that scene, but the globe would be incidental to the humiliation play or the recreation of that moment. It wouldn't be the thing itself because it's not like high heels. It's not a rubber swim cap. It's not of the body. There was the globey character on Pee Wee Herman. That's true. He was kind of hot. He had an accent. Maybe would have been a better sight on the caller, fake caller's part for their fake question for the root cause of this kink than Indiana Jones. <laughs> Hi, Dan. I am a 31-year-old cis female, mostly straight, and I have a question about orgasms. I find that when I am masturbating with a vibrator, I can orgasm a lot of times sequentially. And I know this is a thing for women, like women friends of mine who date other women talk about how at some point you just you just decide to stop having sex because you can keep orgasming. Uh, so I'm aware that it's not unusual. Like I find that if I am masturbating for an hour, I can get like 20, 30, 40 little orgasms. Like sometimes I think I've hit like 70 or 80 just in sequence and they're not, you know, they lose intensity throughout that period, but they are like little jolts, I guess, that continue and seemingly could go on forever. <laughs> Mostly this is a totally awesome thing and I feel so lucky to have it. At times I feel a little bit shameful of it because it feels kind of like an addiction. Like it's hard to stop once I get started because I know I can just have so much pleasure. But I'm just curious if this is normal. Like, are other women experiencing this? Because mostly when I talk to friends about it, most people are just totally floored. I'm just curious if this is something that a lot of people are experiencing or if it's unusual. I recently got a letter from someone pointing out that not all women are multi-orgasmic. I mean, we talk about 
the ability to have many, many, many orgasms as a, a woman thing. It makes women who are one and done types who are actually more common than you know, women who are capable of having multiple orgasms feel like they're inadequate or broken or they're doing it wrong. And they're not. So I just wanted to toss that out there. But I am aware of that, that when we talk about this ability to, you know, have climax after climax after climax, not all women, fewer women can't than can, but for the most part, although there are some guys out there with no refractory period, for the most part, this is a female-bodied person superpower. All that said, 70 to 80 orgasms in an hour is like 1.02 orgasms a second <laughs> for an hour. That seems implausible. And if over the course of the hour that this person is masturbating, um, the orgasms are gradually losing intensity, there's some point at which they're going to pass below the threshold of, of the person even being able to physically tell that they're having an orgasm. Um, still, I think this one is probably real in that this is a thing that some women can do and most women who can do this require a vibrator and, and some women do discover that they have this capacity for these waves or of orgasmic sensations. They kind of ride the wave of a vibrator and they get into this feedback loop between the vibrator and their clit and they do have these like intense orgasmic jolts that come and come and come and come as they come and come and come and come. Ah, come. Ah, yeah, ah, yeah, nah. yeah. And, and as a male-bodied person, as a penis haver, I am in awe of female ejaculation. I am in awe of the female capacity for pleasure. The clitoris is the only organ in the human body that is only for deriving pleasure. That is amazing. I'm also sometimes kind of relieved that I know when my partners come and I know that when we both come, we're both done and we can go have some ice cream and watch some TV and no one's being denied anything. And so the infinite capacity for pleasure of the of a female body for me as, you know, a pathetic penis having male is kind of intimidating and being gay is kind of a relief. Yeah, being being her lover is a tall order. That's why her lover plugs into the wall and has no opinions um, and nothing else to do and nowhere else to be except the bedside drawer. So <clears throat> again, I'm going to guess this one as uh, I'm going to say this one is real. This one is real. Oh my God. <laughs> You're so good at this. Oh I am God. really good at this. Uh, it's yeah. almost as if you've been doing this for years. I have been doing this for a while. Um, yeah. I, I, I do want to challenge her though to like get a little like clicker counter for the other hand that isn't <laughs> holding the vibrator and keep track. Cause I don't think you're having 80 orgasms in an hour or that, that, that one orgasm every one second. That's more than one orgasm a minute, which seems like a lot. Yeah. We need a new setting on the Fitbit, the, the orgasm setting. <laughs> <laughs> or a clit bit. It's just clit a bit. tiny little Fitbit that goes yes. around your clit. That'll be our next sponsor. Clit bit. <laughs> this week's Savage Love Cost is brought to you by Clitbit. <laughs> Hi, Dan. I am a cis female from the Pacific Northwest in a long-term committed relationship with a male partner. We've been together about five years and he is my dream person. Um, everything has been perfect, but over the course of the pandemic, we began having conversations about experimenting more in the bedroom 
And a few months ago, he disclosed to me that he has a long uh, standing attraction to animals. He said that he's never acted on this attraction because he knows that it would be wrong to have sex with an animal that can't consent. Um, it was just something that came up in conversation. Uh, and I didn't really know what to make of it at first. So I just kind of sat with it and said, okay. And we moved on. Fast forward and he tells me that he thinks he has a solution to this long-term impulse. And Dan, that solution is taxidermy. Um, he first came home with a taxidermy deer and had a flashlight installed. Um, I'm pretty open-minded, Dan, so I kind of bit my tongue and said, all right, you know what, I don't see how this is harming anybody. But as time moved forward, the collection has grown larger. And honestly, Dan, I just don't know what to do. These taxidermies are out in our living room. Now that pandemic restrictions have loosened, we are having guests over and I cannot help but feel uncomfortable when they notice and comment on what are essentially sex toys just on display. Uh, I don't want to shame my partner. I don't know if what he's doing is wrong. I think if this is a way for him to satisfy his impulses without harming another conscious being, then that's great. But I just, I don't know. I, Dan, what do I do? Do I need to have a conversation about this? Is this ethical? Is it a problem? How do I begin? I should have issued a trigger warning to all the vegans out there. <laughs> I just want to assure you personally, you know the giant bison head on the wall in our dining room? <laughs> if yes. you take that down off the wall, Nancy, I promise you, you will not find... <laughs> A hole drilled in the back and a flashlight. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to look at that the same way ever again. <laughs> well, to take this question seriously for a moment, <laughs> yeah, there, no one's being harmed in the production of these orgasms that her boyfriend is having. You know, getting a stuffed animal, a taxidermy deer, or, um, you know, a stuffed animal from getting in a time machine and going back to F.A.O. Schwartz on Michigan Avenue in Chicago, getting a giant giraffe stuffed animal and putting a fleshlight in it. Okay, yeah. Plushies have been doing that for a while. Creates more pleasure, joy, release in the world. Literally no one and nothing is harmed. Assuming if it's an actual taxidermy animal, we're talking about roadkill or like my bison on my wall in my dining room. Which died of natural causes, surely. from a controlled wild herd where they have to take down, they have to take out some of the members of the herd for its health and its safety. Uh, and by buying that taxidermy bison head, we contributed to the maintenance and sustenance of this herd up in Canada somewhere. Oh, I never knew the story of that head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terry gives me ethical head, only ethical head, um, <laughs> bison head. 
uh, for Christmas. Um, so yeah, if this is true, there's nothing wrong with it. But if this is true, I could see this confession on the boyfriend's part being a real libido killer for the caller and not something that she could get past. And if he was actually, uh, if he actually existed and he was packing the house with stuffed animals that all had holes drilled in them and fleshlights tucked in them and other people were dropping in and there were greasy leaking fleshlights hanging out of the back of the taxidermied polar bear in the dining room of your estate. I, I could see that being not just like a problem in the relationship, but the kind of sexual conflict in a relationship that would make you call her engaging with this person sexually and erotically almost impossible. If you knew that your partner's preferred erotic target was a deer and a dead one, <laughs> I don't think you would be able to get wet for your partner. So yeah. And I'm going to call it a fake in part because she said it's just something that came up in convo. This is not something that just like comes up. It just came up in conversation that I want to fuck animals. No, this is something that your partner either would have taken to the grave or shared with you as a dark night of the soul conversation, possibly with the help of a therapist. This isn't something that they just would have tossed out at Chipotle while you were waiting for your extra guac. This call was real. What? Just no. kidding. Oh it was God. fake. Ah okay, you know what? People are going to think that we're faking this, that you, <laughs> that we set this up so I would appear, you know, when you do an advice show, write an advice column, people begin to think you're omniscient, that you have all the answers. And that's because you only print the questions you have answers for, right? And so people don't see the questions where I'm like, huh, I'm stumped. I don't know what to say to that person. I just like, don't answer that question. But if... I get all of these right, and what am I nine for nine at yeah, bats now? No, yeah, you're I get invincible. All these right. People are going to think we faked our fake show. <laughs> wow, this is getting really meta. Hi, Dan. I have oh god, I have a really embarrassing question, but I'm just going to get through it. Okay, a little backstory. I met my boyfriend at JediCon 2016. We're both we're total science fiction nerds, and we get along so well, so much better than my last boyfriend, who just like didn't get it, you know. Like, science fiction is just, like, a huge part of our lives. So, anyway, um, our sex life is great. Like, it's really great. But um, we've gotten in this rut that started out fine. But um, now, God. All right, it started as a joke where I talked dirty to him and the voice of Yoda. Oh, my God, this, this sounds insane. I know. But it became, like, the only way he could get off. And we're like, we've been doing, we'll be like going at it for the longest time. And I come like a bunch, but now he literally can't come unless I do the voice. All it takes is, my dicky must suck. And blam, he's like done. Or the one that always works is, a Jedi uses the force to ram my green cock in your ass. You does take it like a little bitch boy, you will. Mm-hmm. Or um, this one's good. Do or do not. There is no try. To take my load. It's getting old. Is there some other way we can spice it up? What do you think, Dan? I'm going to say this one's real just because I really, really, really <laughs> want it to be real, even though I really, really, really know it's fake. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, I want there to be science fiction nerds out there 
who cannot reach the point of orgasmic inevitability unless someone, preferably their girlfriend, speaks to them in Yoda voice about taking loads. I want those people to exist in the world. So I'm going to say real, even though I know for a fact that this is fake. Calls to mind reminds me of a question I got years ago from somebody, a gay guy whose boyfriend can only come while talking in baby voices. Ooh. And that was a real question. And he'd indulged and put up with this for so long. And it kind of ruined sex for him. Uh, as I imagine having to speak in a Yoda voice would ruin sex for anyone, which is one of the reasons we know this call is a fake. She says the sex is great. And yet I have to, you know, we're in a rut, but it's still great sex because I have to always speak to my science fiction boyfriend in a Yoda voice. Um, yeah, fake, but I wish it were real. So I'm going to say real, even though it's fake. Very good. We'll just leave that in uh, a place of flip-flopping jujitsu. Ten for ten. So Dan, did you did you recognize that voice at all? The Yoda voice? Yeah, Yoda of course. Voice. She does a good Yoda. Yeah. That's me. Wait, what? That whole call? Yeah, that was me. I sent that one in. Does your husband know that you're talking about your prize? No, that I talk like Yoda, he does. <laughs> Oh my God, I totally didn't recognize your voice. <laughs> I have voice blindness and face blindness. Very good. Well, thank you. But I'm just a novice now. Meet the master. Hello, Dan. I'm calling from Paris. I'm your new listener. Uh, my current lover told me about your show. She is my ex-girlfriend's new girlfriend, but she's cheating on her with me at the moment. I told her my biggest secret and... She told me it's not a nice thing and said that Dan Savage wouldn't not approve it. So that's how I heard about your show. And I want to ask you because I'm in a big, big moral dilemma. I'm a baker in Paris, you know, baking bread, croissant, pain au chocolat and so on. So when I was a teenager, I started having erections when I was working with pastry, you know, the dough. What you call it when you mix flour with water, eggs, butter, etc. Every time I squeeze it and prepare dough, I have erection. I even started rubbing butter on my butt when I realized in English you spell it B-U-T-T-E-R. So when I grew up, I opened my bakery in Paris. And what I do now when I make croissant, I always roll it around my erect dick. Recall that ZZ in France. I rub the butter on the dough and roll it around my zizi. And then I pull it off and it's a perfect, perfect croissant shape. I sell it in my bakery. Nobody knows the secret besides my new lover. She thinks that's too creepy. I think it's very sexy. Some clients even eat croissant in my bakery. And when I watch them bite it, makes me excited as if they bite me down there. You know that. Uh, baking... Baking it removes all uh, possible bacteria, virus, uh, right then. It's not unhealthy, am I right then? Even though I'm a clean, healthy guy. Please help then with this moral dilemma. Uh, merci and kiss from Paris. And if you come, I give you my croissant. Oh. Oh. Oui. Oui. Hi. No, fall. <laughs> uh, I think the odds that if there's a hilarious accent involved, the call is fake, are high, higher. But this is obviously fake. But, but alarmingly plausible. There are probably for sure people out there handling food products who are adulterating them in some way, engaged in some sort of secret 
perving, uh, that's not okay. It's not okay to rub something you're going to serve to someone else all over your genitals or to ejaculate in something that you're preparing and cooking for other people, which people have done and people have gotten caught doing and gotten to trouble for doing. Yeah, I worry about basically sometimes getting to read my mail unfiltered because uh, I edit things for my readers is a nightmare. I remember a letter a million years ago from a guy who confessed, and I think this was a real letter, that he had this problem at parties, at friends' houses, he would excuse himself and go to the bathroom and masturbate and leave a little bit of cum on each toothbrush. Oh! My toothbrush has been in a secret undisclosed location ever since. <laughs> Just in case that person ever wound up at a dinner party at my house. Uh, so yeah, that there's somebody out there who is needing bread right now, which, you know, bread when it's raised can look a little bit like a butt can look like boobs. There's somebody out there who's turned on by that and maybe like putting their dick on it and then watching other people eat that bread later. I mean, the bread's been sterilized. It was baked after that. No one's going to get sick, but I think yeah, it's... Yeah, so is it so wrong? I think it's... Yeah, I think it is wrong. Sometimes you have to weigh like the wrongness of something based on even if it's a low probability occurrence for that other person to find out it would be a high consequence event if they did indeed like if you ejaculated in something that you were cooking and then served it to people and they never ever found out like i guess you could argue that no harm was done but if they were to ever find out real harm would mm -hmm. be done so much harm would be done potentially that you can't rationalize away what you did based on the unlikelihood of people finding it out like the degree to which people would be disturbed and unnerved by that and all dinner parties would be ruined for them forever. Yeah, that has to factor into the choice you make and I don't think you can justify doing something like this based on other people never knowing. That said, there's probably plenty of perverts out there who would be totally into eating croissants that have been wrapped around a hot, uncut French guy's dick. <laughs> and the internet exists to help you find them if you exist, caller, which you do not because you are a fake. Dan Savage, you are the spot the fake champion. They seem to be getting easier to spot as we go on, <laughs> I have to say. Like, are we going to have another real one? Yeah, th that's, that's the last call. This oh, my God, it. really? Yeah, you made it to the finish line. Oh, my God. And I'm 11 for 11 or 12 for yeah, 12? Yeah, you're the master. I feel bad about that. <laughs> well, next year, guys, you're going to have to step up your game a little bit. Well, guys, you have a whole year to practice. 206-302-2064. <laughs> or you can record your question, your fake one, or preferably your real one on the Voice Memo app on your phone and email it to us at voicemail at savagelovecast.com. I, I do want to say before we let everybody go that you're the first line of defense against fake calls. Yeah. Because you listen to every call. Yeah, I do. And then you send on to me the calls you think that should be on the show. I swear to Jesus that we hardly ever get fake calls, but now I'm thinking that we maybe do. And I just don't, I'm not catching them. It's possible. It is possible. It we, is possible. We haven't got we haven't gotten a ton of egregiously fake ones, I swear. So this was an ask. You asked people to send you fake questions to see if you could fool me and you could not fool <laughs> me. I sometimes worry for you. Because you edit the show, you have to listen to me record it, and then you have to listen to me as you edit them down. You have heard for the last 15 years, no voice as often or as much as my voice. Mm. All of your family members combined 
You have probably spent less time, less of your life in the last 15 years listening to your own children's voices than you have to mine. The weirdest thing is when I'm listening to you and then you actually walk into the room and then I'm hearing like two of you (laughs) and my poor brain starts to break. My God, what a nightmare. (laughs) I I feel like I should, we should add some sort of mental health coverage to your (laughs) plan here at the Savage Lovecast. Oh, you know, I love it. You ever hear me in your sleep? Nope, never have. Never dreamt. I don't think I've ever dreamt about you. Not even once. Aww. Yeah, sorry. I'm good. That means you have a good firewall, so I should feel less guilty <laughs> about you having to listen to me clear my throat, smack my lips, all the stuff you have to edit out. You know, I do realize, like, inviting everybody to send these calls in, like, I- I've said this before, but you listeners are so great, and yeah. we appreciate you so much. Like, you all were so game to, pl- to play along, and but then also, like, all the time, like, just the way that you make yourself vulnerable for this show. It We do not take that for granted, and we really appreciate you. We also appreciate not just people calling in with their questions and sharing their stories or their dilemmas or their histories with us, but also the people calling in with comments. I always really enjoy the feedback and the comments I've said since I started writing the column, and it's true also of the Lovecast, that I learn as much from my readers and listeners as I sometimes hope they learn from me. Uh, And so, yeah, keep them all coming. Keep the questions and the comments coming. Please. Okay, bye. All right. Now let's do the tweets. All right, before we get to this week's response calls, let's read some listener tweets. Pesto Quiche 80s tweets, love your show, Dan, but I can't believe you and your guest think people are overreacting to someone masturbating on a work video call. Not at all the same as asking someone out on a date and taking no for an answer, not even close. Hashtag Savage Lovecast. Gene Cook World quote tweeted Pesto's tweet and seconded Pesto. Hard same. My response to is this the world we want to live in is a resounding yes regarding punishment for colleagues pulling their dicks out on a Zoom. What the hell, Dan? Well, to be clear, is this the world we want to live in wasn't a question about people pulling their dicks out on Zoom calls and jacking off in front of coworkers. I do not want to live in a world where that is okay. I was talking about a world where a student who called me was afraid to ask another student out for fear of being accused of sexual harassment. For her part, my guest, Laura Kipnis, was challenging the idea that the experience traumatized the other people on the call. She wasn't suggesting that what Jeffrey Tubin did was okay or should be permitted or tolerated in workplaces in this world or any other world. Alice Ellie tweets, I'm listening to your take on relationship anarchy, Dan. RA is not about having no rules and only caring about your own feelings. It's about creating relationships that work for you and your partner or partners, as well as not assuming romantic love is greater than platonic love. All right, got some pushback on my ham-handed reference, uninformed reference to relationship anarchy. Needless to say, but I will go ahead and say it, we are looking for a guest to come on the show and explain relationship anarchy to me slowly and using small words because I clearly don't get it. And finally, Brett Not Beret tweets, for the guy who wants a family but doesn't want bio kids, aren't the numbers of couples with fertility issues pretty significant? Seems like a woman who can't get pregnant but wants a family is his ideal match. Yeah, sounds ideal until you think about it for a minute. Most women who want to have kids and have fertility issues don't discover their fertility issues until after they found a guy who also wants kids and tried to make a baby with that man. 
those women would reject the caller long before they found out they had fertility issues. So I stand by my advice, want kids, but don't want to have your own kids. Maybe he should think about dating single moms. That said, a listener emailed in what may be the best advice for that caller. Get a vasectomy and put that on your dating profile. They add, with reproductive rights across this nation under attack and criminalized, any penis haver that is sure they don't want to have kids should strongly consider getting a vasectomy and talking to other penis havers about it. Grab your life by the balls and take some personal responsibility. All right. If you want me to read your tweet on an upcoming episode of the Savage Lovecast, be sure to include the hashtag Savage Lovecast. And a big thank you to everyone who posted to your social media this week about the show to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, WhatsApp, whatever. We really appreciate all those social media mentions helps get the word out about the show. And now listener response calls. Hi, Dan, single straight child-free woman in her thirties replying to the guy on episode 804, who is looking for a woman who is open to adopting kids with him. I want to float something that you didn't quite hit on that's often a blind spot for men. And I noticed it a few times in this call when he repeatedly talks about wanting kids and wanting a family. I think he needs to frame this as actively wanting to parent and be a father. Men are so aware of the toll that pregnancy and childbirth take on women, but they tend to forget that the real burden is the lifetime of homekeeping that often falls on women. I'm now part of a lot of child-free groups on social media, and the main reason that most women there don't want kids isn't the idea of carrying them, or even the idea of the bleak future of the world, etc., which happen to be my reasons as well as the callers. But it's mostly because women know they'd have to take on more than half of the brunt of raising them. It's not just semen that women who are, want kids are clamoring for, as you put it. It's a guy who wants an active role in parenting. This would be especially essential if the caller takes you up on your great advice to try to date single mothers. Personally, I'm comfortable not wanting kids, but if a great guy wanted to adopt kids and raise them with me, there's one thing that could change my mind, and that's his enthusiasm for fatherhood itself. Be careful that it's not coming off as wanting to, quote unquote, have a family just to satiate society's expectations or to leave a legacy. A good way to test himself would be to ask himself if he would willingly adopt a kid alone, as many women do and are told to do. If so, he should join some social media groups for prospective adoptive parents. And hey, maybe he'll find a like-minded woman there. But he shouldn't do this if he's looking for a woman to do most of the work of raising the kid, which is just kind of an unexamined default for many straight cis men. Hey, this is a response, episode 804, the woman whose father we all hate, who's cheating on her disabled mother. Great advice, Dan. I agree with everything you said. I would take it one step further. Girl, you and your brother, protect yourselves and your mom. Get some legal, incontrovertible evidence of your father's philandering and bank that shit. If he's that much of a dick, he could end up screwing you and your mother over and you need to protect yourselves against future legal issues. If he decides to leave your, leave your mom, then you've got proof and take him for everything he's worth and make sure your mom is set up for the rest of her life. Good luck. That whole situation does indeed suck. I hope you can work it out for the best for you and your brother and your mom. 
Hi, this is a comment for the woman who rang up about her new partner after three months pulling away. Dan, I think you missed something important, which is that she has a history with narcissistic abusers and I reckon she's got herself in with another one because the whole love bombing, things are going incredibly well, text, the sex, everything's amazing and then pulling away is classic, classic narcissistic behaviour and when you've been with one, you tend to fall for others unless you do a hell of a lot of work on yourself. Uh, remember something that Liz Plank wrote on Instagram recently. She said, if a man starts pulling away, you don't talk about how it hurts you or that you're feeling sad or that you give him space. You say to him, if I'm to stay romantically interested in you, you're going to need to be more consistent. And I fucking love that. Ask for what you want. If he can't give it to you, fuck him off and go find someone who can. And we're going to leave it there. Got a question for next week's show or something to say about something I said on this week's show? Not better advice. Use the voice memo app on your phone to record your question or your comment and email it to us at voicemail at savagelovecast.com. Or you can call us at 206-302-2064 and leave us a message. Chicago, hump has arrived. My amateur porn film festival will be screening at the Music Box Theater this Saturday, April 2nd. Then hump will be traveling to almost 20 other cities through May. Grab a friend, grab a lover, grab some more friends, grab some more lovers, and go to humpfilmfest.com to find out when hump is coming to a city near you and grab your tickets today. And if hump isn't coming anywhere near you, don't worry. We have streaming options available for hump. Go to humpfilmfest.com to find those streaming options as well and let hump come to you. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. You can't follow Nancy Hartunian on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram because Nancy's not on any of them. Nancy is too good, too pure, and too smart to get on social media. Nancy Hartunian produces the Savage Lovecast every week, and me and the tech-savvy and good, pure, smart Nancy will all be back at you next week for an installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for downloading. Oh, and happy April Fool's. Mm-hmm.